0: Hey, Amen. Well, good evening. How are you doing? That was that, uh, and I've been working for eight hours today, and it's 7.30, so you just need to keep on going sound right there. was what that, that was. Um, but uh, I feel you. I feel you. Um, well, hey, uh, my name is Josh Story. Um, I'm one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. And so, man, I, uh, I'm stoked to see that you guys wanted to come and spend your Wednesday night hanging out with us tonight. So, um, if you will, turn with me to Galatians chapter... Two. Galatians chapter 2, will be uh, hanging out there tonight. And as you turn there, um, I just need to confess something to you. Uh, I get this weird joy when I see people forget stuff that they should know. Um, I don't know why, but I think it's hilarious when people forget things that they should know. So, um, for instance, tomorrow morning, um, our staff is going to have a meeting where we review tonight, where, where we talk about worship and the sermon, make sure I don't say anything heretical. We talk about just really everything about uh, tonight. And so what's going to happen most likely, because it happens all the time and it's hilarious, if someone's going to walk in the room and they're going to say, oh my gosh, I had the most embarrassing interaction. I, I saw this person and I know that person. We've had like a thousand conversations and like, I know like deep, dark things about them, but then I walk up to them, and I'm like, hey, and right as I'm about to say their name, I just, like, I blank, right? And they're like, what's up, Tiger, right? You know, it's like, what's up, champ? Good to see you, man. Um, And that, like, it, it just happens, and it's hilarious because we get paid to know your name, right? So, like, so for us to not know your name, it's like, that's really embarrassing, right? And it's kind of funny. Um, side note, just because I have, I have a mic and I can say this. Um, if you ever see me in, in the hallway, I want you to know that I consider the terms bro, man, dude, homie, and girl, if you're a girl, um, to be terms of endearment. Um, so if I see you in the hall, I'm like, dude, what's up, man? Because I talk like a 12-year-old like, surfer kid. Um, uh, I want you to know that that means like, you're in the inner circle, right? Like If I call you bro, it means we're brothers, right? Like, like my best friend is named Dan. Um, he has a name. I haven't called Dan Dan in like seven years, right? Because it's like, what's that, bro? Because we're brothers. That's what you do, right? So just letting you know, if you see me and you get a bro or a dude or a man, it means we are tight. That's exactly what that, that means. So, anyway, <laughs> side note. Um, but it's it's funny when we forget things that we should know, right? Um, but I found that that's kind of like a two-sided coin, right? Because there are moments when it's hilarious when we forget things that we should know. But then there's also moments where it's not funny, but it's actually really sad, right? So um, not to take a hard left turn, but um, if you've ever like, had a loved one who struggled with like dementia or Alzheimer's, right? Like, like you, you find that that's not actually funny. That's really sad because they are... They're, they're kind of withering away, and they forget things that they should know, right? Like they forget people's names and faces, and they forget who you are, and they forget who they are. And, and, and we watch that, and there's something really, really sad about that because we realize that there's a quality of life that's missing there, right? And we see that, and we think, man, like, I know who you were, and, and, and I know about your life, and you're forgetting these things I know are so dear to you that you should, you should know. And when we forget those things, it's, it's not funny, but it's really, really sad, right? Now, now why do I bring that up? I bring that up because as believers, um, there is something that we should know deep within our souls, something that, that if we know one thing, we know this thing, yet we are so prone to forget it, right? And it's the gospel. We are so prone to forget the gospel. We're prone to to forget the truth that we are um, a people who who are wicked and sinful, right? That our sin separates us from the God of the universe, yet in his love and in his grace, Christ came and he died in our place. He took the wrath of God for us. Like, we're so prone to forget that. Like we're, we're prone to forget that, that he didn't just die, but he, he rose. And so now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us, right? pleading our case as our advocate, saying, hey, like all that guilt, all that shame, you know, I paid for that. I covered that. Right? We, we forget that when God sees us, now he doesn't see us as, um, as, as sinners or, or as strangers or as enemies. He sees us as sons and as daughters. Right? He sees us as holy and spotless and blameless because what he sees is the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Right? We, we forget that we've been adopted, that we get to sit at the table with God, that we get access to the Father. We forget those things. And that's not funny. That's, that's a sad situation because there's a quality of life that's missing there. See, Christ promised us, he, he says, Man, I come to give life and life abundantly. So when we forget the gospel, you know, we are robbing ourselves of joy and of life because we are forgetting the one thing, the one source of Life, right? I mean, that's sad that we are so prone to forget that. But here's the good news. We're not the first generation to ever forget the gospel, right? Every follower of Christ, every believer at any point in history, like, they've all come into in seasons where they just forget the gospel, right? And the entire book of Galatians is written to a people who have forgotten the gospel. Paul starts off and he says, hey, how quick you are to forget the gospel that's been preached to you. Right, so what Paul is doing in this book is he is coming alongside and he saying, hey, you have forgotten the gospel, so let me come along and remind you what the gospel actually is. Right? So what I want us to do tonight is really simple. I want to remind us what the gospel is. I want, to, I want us to remember and remind ourselves what the gospel actually is because we're so prone to forget. Right? And, and along the way, I want us to figure out, man, like why, why, why do we forget? And, and what does that look like? How, how do we know that we've come to a place where we are forgetting The gospel, but but my hope in all of this is that man, we are a people who remember the gospel that we don't forget. Because I believe with everything in me that the source of joy and life is it comes from knowing and walking with Christ. It comes from Christ, and so man, um, I want to make sure that we get to experience the life um, that Christ has promised—that life that is abundant. So, um, with that being said, man, let's uh, let's look at Galatians two. And also, side note: um, if if you're in the room tonight and you and you hear that, and you think, another sermon about the gospel, like I, like, like, look, like, seriously, like, like, we, we, talk about this every week, right? Like, like, I, I get it, the gospel, it's important. Like, I want something meatier. I want something deeper. Um, this is for you, um, because if you ever get to the place where you are over the gospel, I worry about you, like seriously. And I know that that happens. I know that we fall into seasons where it's like, okay, cool, gospel, I get it. I forget. No, no, like, <laughs> this is Christianity. This is what our whole faith is based on. So if you're in the room and you think, ah, I get it, I'm kind of over this whole gospel thing, man, I want you to know that, man, this is for you. Because I think the Lord's trying to do something and show you something tonight. So um, with that being said, let's dive in. Galatians 2, starting in verse 11. Like you, um, let me catch you up on, on verses one, 1 through 10. Um, in verses 1 through 10, um, Paul explains that, that once he starts um, becoming an apostle and he starts preaching, he decides that he wants to go to Jerusalem and talk to um, Peter and James and the other apostles who have walked with, with Christ to make sure that he's preaching the one true gospel. And he says, man, I don't want to lead people astray, I don't want to, uh, to, to be running this race in vain, so help me understand, like, is this the gospel the, the, the gospel that Jesus gave to me, is this the gospel that is the one true gospel? And so they say, yes, it is, and they kind of walk, walk through it, and they affirm that, yes, it is, you are saved by grace, through faith, it's not of works, right, Well, that is the gospel. And so they, they charge him and affirm him and say, hey, you are to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles, which are people who are not Jews. And we're going to stay here in Jerusalem and preach to the Jews. And so with that, um, Paul goes. But, but we find that even those who affirm the gospel, who affirm what the true gospel is, they still forget. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 11. Um, let's pick it up there. It says, but when Cephas, who is a name for Peter, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they, drew, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Um, right, really quick. Uh, Peter's going to catch a lot of flack in this in passage. Um, but in Peter's defense, I would also be afraid of a circumcision party. I'm just going to throw it out there. Right? <laughs> that... Does not sound like a party that I want anything to do with, right? If someone's like, hey, the circumcision party's coming, I'm afraid. I'm just going to throw it out there, all right? So let's cut Peter a little bit of slack, all right? Um, Some of y'all have no clue what that even means. (laughs) We will cover it. Don't don't worry. Verse 13. Um, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? All right, stop right there. Um, Here's what's going on. Um, Peter, uh, who is a Jewish Christian, um, comes to hang out with Paul and his Gentile believer friends in the city of Antioch. So what Peter's doing is he's hanging out with Gentiles, doing Gentile things, probably like worshiping because he's eating bacon and he's like man this pork is phenomenal like, like I get to like be, be part of this and do like Gentile things I love it um, and he's within his rights right like, like Christ came and he says that he fulfilled the law he didn't abolish the law but he fulfilled the law so now Peter is no longer under the Jewish law he is under the law of grace right and so, so Peter is sitting there just, just, just doing life with all these Gentile believers and so what happens is that these Jewish believers that Paul so uh, lovingly refers to as the circumcision party um, comes walking it up, and when Peter sees them, he takes a step back and says, oh, I'm, I'm not going to hang out with y'all. I'm going to go hang out with my Jewish friends and do Jewish things. Um, here's what you need to know about the circumcision party. Um, that is a name for uh, these Jewish Christians who were adding to the gospel. They were Jewish Christians who believed, yes, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Um, it is all about Jesus and the cross, but it also works. It's also the law. It's also circumcision and Jewish dietary law. So if you want to truly follow Christ, to be a true believer, to be a true follower, you must believe in Jesus, but you also must follow all these Jewish things. And so what Peter does is, is he fears these men, and so he t- t- takes a step back and he runs back to the law. He runs back and starts doing all these Jewish ritualistic things in order to um, have his right standing before God. And so what Paul does is, is he says, hey, the gospel plus the law is no longer the gospel. Like, that's not what the gospel is. So he calls him out, right? And he says, hey, Peter, here's the deal, bro. You were just here as a Jew living like a Gentile, but now you are expecting Gentiles to live like Jews. That makes no sense, right? And it reveals that Peter has forgotten the gospel. So he calls him out because Peter has forgotten the gospel. Now, here's the the important thing. Peter hasn't forgotten the gospel in an intellectual sense, right? Like, um, if if you were to ask Peter, hey, what's the the gospel? Peter could tell you intellectually what the gospel is. He could say, man, we're sinners and Christ came and we're separated, but now he he died for us and so now we have right relationship with God and he rose and like, like he can tell you all of those things, right? Because he hasn't forgotten it from an intellectual standpoint. He has forgotten it from a functional standpoint, right? Because all of a sudden he is running back to the law and he's doing all of these things, trying to earn favor with God, trying to earn his right standing before God and so, what, what Paul's saying is, that, no, 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 like, you have completely missed the gospel from a functional, standpoint you've forgotten, right? So he calls them out. Now, I point that out because I feel like that's where most of us probably fall. Um, if you've been a believer for a while, if you've been, been in church for a while, if you've been around here for a while, um, you can probably articulate on some level what the gospel is, right? Um, if, if I were to say, hey, what is the gospel? From an intellectual standpoint, a lot of us um, could articulate some sort of, man, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, through faith. Like We could probably articulate that to some point. Where we forget the gospel most often is not intellectually, but it's functionally. We tend to to run back to the law, run back to works, run back to things that we are trying to use to gain favor with God, to gain right standing before God, and that's not the gospel, right? So um, let me show you kind of how this plays out. Um, One of my favorite things in the world, is to see people's reactions when I tell them that I'm a pastor. Um, so primarily like Uber drivers and people on planes, cause they can't go anywhere, right? They're just stuck. And so, uh, and so usually we're just like, you know, talking and, and we're laughing, telling stories. And like, so what do you do? And I go, well, um, I'm a pastor. And then I'm like, just wait. And it's like, right? And so all of a sudden, but the, the funniest thing is that they all start apologizing. Everyone goes, oh man, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, like, for what? And, then, and they're like, "Well, I like cussed a sec- second ago, and do like I, I I really don't talk like that. Like, like, like that's not me. I'm 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 really a, a, a good person." And I'm like, "Whoa, chill out, man. Like, like it's it's okay." And and they start apologizing. Why? Because they think, "Oh, this guy works for God, and so I have to like be good. I have to like like show him that I'm a good person, so then he can tell God that I'm a good person, and that's what's going to make me right before God." And we laugh, but that's how we function. Like, like we function like, like that because it's not just non-believers in, in Uber cars or airplanes. It's, it's believers as well, right? Um, so I'm coming for us now, okay? Uh, I also love walking into a party as a pastor because nothing sucks the air out of a party like <laughs> the pastor walking in the room. Because people literally, like, everything changes, right? Like, you know, like, people will change conversation in, like, mid-sentence, right? It's like, like, they're talking about the Kardashians, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, you would not believe what Kim said to Chloe. And, and then they see me, and they're like, and then I started reading in an Ezekiel. And it's like, <laughs> like, 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 know your Bible. Of all books, you're not reading Ezekiel. I, I know your line, right? Like, no one reads Ezekiel. Me and Ben will intentionally do a sermon series on Ezekiel so you know that no one reads Ezekiel, right? Like, that's not a thing, right? And so, and I'm like, that's, that's weird, right? Or they'll, they'll, like, start, like, abbreviating cuss words, or they'll just, like, kind of, like, watch their mouth or, like, stop flirting or, you know, making out or whatever else, right? But the funniest part is when someone, like, has a drink in their hand, because they're like, uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. And so I'll, like, walk up to them, I'm like, you okay, man? They're like, it's O'Doul's. It's a duels, and, uh, and then I think, too, I'm like, okay, either you're a liar, or you have horrible taste in beer, and I don't know which is worse, right? Like, this is just bad all the way, way around, both is a lose-lose, so, um, and like, but okay, so why is that, though? Like, like, why does the pastor walk into the room, and our knee-jerk reaction is to clean ourselves up? It's because we're running back to the law. It's because there's something in us that says, ah, I, I, I gotta clean myself up, I gotta I gotta be upright, I have to modify my behavior so that, so that God is pleased with me. And here's the funny thing, like most of the time people aren't doing anything wrong, right? Like, like, like I'm not walking into parties where people are doing crazy stuff, like I don't know, like whatever you do at a crazy party, right? Like sacrificing kids or something, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, Sorry, that was, that was dark, I apologize for that. Um, hope, ho- hopefully no one's like sacrificing babies in here, that would be awful, but... Um, Again, moving on. That was dark. Uh, so, uh, right, but like, like, they're not doing anything wrong, right? And so, like, why, why do we feel this reaction to just modify our behavior? It's because we're running back to the law, right? And so what Paul is saying is, hey, no, no, no. Like, that's not the gospel. You have forgotten the gospel. If, if, if we're trying to always clean ourselves up and, and, and earn God's favor or God's pleasure by doing works, right? And so he goes on to just reiterate that, hey, we are not saved by works of the law. Look at verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. All right, so justified, justification is, is a fancy church word that means having right standing before God, right? And so what Paul is, is driving home here, like he's being explicitly clear. He's saying, hey, no one is saved by works. Like we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. That's how we're saved, right? Like we're not saved by works of the law. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, then why does the law exist, All right? Like if like, because obviously, like, there's still stuff in the Bible that we're commanded to do and not do. Like, 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 there's still some sort of law. There are things that are considered sin and not sin. So there is some sort of law. But if we're not saved by that, then then why does the law exist? Because I, I keep running to it, thinking that man, maybe that that saves me. All right, that's, that's a great question. Let me um, try to briefly answer that for you. Ben's going going to talk talk about, about this more in depth next week. Um, but here's the purpose of the law. The law exists. To serve as a diagnostic the law exists to serve as a diagnostic and here's what I mean a diagnostic is something that can reveal or diagnose a problem but it doesn't have the power to fix that problem okay so um, think about an x-ray right an x-ray diagnoses a problem it tells you that you have a problem but it doesn't have the power to actually fix that problem right so um, when when I was in college I had a friend who who was playing baseball and he slid into second base and broke his collarbone and so he goes to the ER and literally gets the worst doctor in the world because this guy walks out and says, "Hey, man, I have your results, um, and there's definitely something broken in your shoulder region." <laughs> We're like what? And he's like, "Yeah, like, like it's like broken like in this area here, like in your shoulder area. So you should go see a see a specialist." We're like can you be, like, more specific? Like, is it, like, a clavicle or a scapula? Like, like, I took, like, health in sixth grade, and I know all the names. So, like, clearly, like, you can tell me, like, what I broke. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know, but this part is just broken. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, doc. Right? So, but, like, the point is, like, an x-ray can fix, or, sorry, it can't fix. It can show you that we have a problem, but it doesn't have the power to fix That problem, that's what doctors are for, but apparently this doctor also could not fix this problem. Um, But x-rays say, hey, like, you have a problem. So what the law does is the law diagnoses a problem, right? It says, hey, you have a sin problem. You are in desperate need of a savior, but it can't actually save you. The law was never designed to save you, right? It's always been designed to point you to your need for a savior, right? And so it is of paramount importance that we understand um, why the law exists and and, and how that plays into the gospel. Because if we forget the gospel by misunderstanding what the law does, then, then one of two things happen to us. And here's the first thing. The first thing is that you will walk around in a constant state of just feeling defeated. You will feel defeated because it doesn't take long to realize that we're not good enough, that we don't measure up, Right? And so if you believe that you are justified by your works then it's only a matter of time before you realize man I'm not good enough and you feel defeated and maybe for some of us that's where you are tonight and maybe you walk in here tonight and you've just had the sin struggle that just owns you and you're thinking there's no way that God could love me there's no way that God could accept me or love me I mean Josh if you knew my past if you knew what I did this week, if you knew my, my addictions and, and my struggles, if you knew what I've seen, what I've paid for, if, if you knew my relationship with my family and, and, all, and, and where my, my mind goes at night, or, or like if you knew the depths of my heart, man, you would know that God couldn't accept me. He couldn't love me. And if that's you, can I lovingly and rejoicingly tell you that you're wrong, that you're wrong? man. Like Ben said, Romans 5.8. He says, that God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, the fact that you're fallen is exactly why Jesus came. The fact that you'll never measure up is exactly why Jesus came. Right? Like, like so, so don't feel defeated. Like, the beauty of the gospel is, is that we're not saved by the law, and thank God for that. Right? We are saved by grace through faith. But if we believe that we are saved by works, then you will walk around defeated. That's that's one thing. The other way that this pendulum swings is that if you believe that you are justified by the law, by works rather than by grace, and I think this is worse, you will walk around thinking that you're nailing it when you're not. And this is terrifying. Um, Ben mentioned this passage the other week, but Matthew 7 is one of the most terrifying passages in Scripture where Jesus says, man, there are going to be people who come to me on the last day, and they're going to say, hey, Jesus, and I'm going to say, hey, I don't know who you are, and they're going to respond by saying, hey, but I've I've cast out demons in your name. I've performed miracles in your name. I've done mighty works in your name, and he's going to say, yeah, depart from me. I never knew you. You know why that's so terrifying? Because that is the most varsity Christian resume I can think of. Those guys are coming. I mean, casting out demons, performing miracles. Are you serious? Like, that's, that's varsity level stuff. And they're giving him this varsity resume as their justification. And that's exactly why it's not good enough. Because it's a resume. And resumes don't save us. Our works don't save us. Jesus saves us. And so what... To be honest, it scares me. And I hope this doesn't happen, which is why we're talking about this. But my fear is that there are people in the room who are going to face Jesus one day. And They're gonna give him a resume. And they're gonna say, Jesus, and you're gonna say, hey, I don't know who you are. And you're gonna say, but I want to renovate. I want to converge. I, I was in a home group. I, I, I didn't party too hard. I, I was a good person. Jesus, I was really, really good. I did a lot of good things. I don't know you because your resume is not what saves you. It's been, if you're in that boat, I mean, hear me say this, and, and, and this is good news, right? The good news is that you don't have to do anything, that, that, that you don't have to strive and toil and, and do all these things. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus did the work for you, right? We have a fancy word that's called imputed righteousness, it means that, that when Jesus died, he imputed to you. He gave to you his righteousness. He did the work, right? And so now we get to rest in the fact that Jesus did the work for us and that we get life because of him. So man, if you find yourself in that spot, man, I, I plead with you, man, today, like, like don't miss this, that we are not saved by grace, or we are not saved by works of the law, but we're saved by grace, right? Now, Here's the deal. Um, there's one last camp in here. Um, and it's those of us who are like, all right, cool. Like, I, I get that, right? Like, I, um, but, but I don't fall in this defeated category. I don't fall in this other category. Um, but I'm aware enough to know that, that, that maybe I, I, I drift. Maybe I drift into uh, moments where I forget the gospel. But I'm not aware of it. How do I know? How do I know if I'm in a season of forgetting the gospel. It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, I want to close out tonight by um, giving us kind of one kind of applicational diagnostic question um, so that we, that we leave here and that we can have the ability to actually know, I mean, am I drifting? Am, am I pulling a Peter? Like, like am, am I coming in the spot where, I'm, where, where I know the gospel in my mind? I know it from an intellectual standpoint. I can articulate it. But my life, I'm not functioning as someone who's walking in step with the truth of the, the gospel. So um, here's what I want you to ask yourself this, this week. What's your posture towards God when you sin? What is your posture towards God when you sin? Another way of saying that has been, how do you respond when you sin? And I'll tell you why that's, that's important. Because if we have forgotten the gospel, if we are, are functioning out of a works-based righteousness convincing ourselves that, man, we are saved by the law. From a functional standpoint, what's gonna happen when you sin is that you are going to run and you're going to hide. You're gonna run and hide and you're gonna try to clean yourself up, right? And so you'll think, man, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna listen to some podcasts, I'm gonna listen to worship music on Spotify um, for like three days, right? Um, No more Kanye, like it's just like Tomlin (laughs) or something. Um, Again, I don't know what's worse. Um, But, (laughs) kidding. Uh, right? like, I'm going like, to listen to podcasts, listen to worship, I'm going to go to home, home group, I'm going like, to not do the thing that I just did. Like, I'm, I'm going to do these things, right? Because there's, there's guilt and there's shame when we sin. And so our response to that guilt and shame is to run and to hide if we think that the law saves us, right? But again, you've forgotten the gospel. Because what the gospel does is it frees us not to run from God, but to run to God. It frees us to run to God with a heart that is worshipful that is grateful, yet simultaneously broken and repentant. That we run to God, praising him. God, I'm grateful for your grace. I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping because I know that you have saved me. All of my guilt, all of my shame, it's been taken from me. So we, we worship because our sin has been forgiven, but we're also broken and we're contrite. and We're repentant, asking, pleading with God. Say, Lord, will you break me of this? Lord, I, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I don't want to keep falling into this anymore. Lord, will you, by the power of your spirit, give me the strength to, to, like, let's put this into death. I mean, that's a sign of spiritual maturity and of people who understand the gospel. That when we sin, our innate reaction is not to run from the Lord and hide, but to run to him. Worshiping, praising him, but being broken and repentant, asking God to mold us and shape us to look more like a son. So, man, as we go, man, ask yourself that that question, man, honestly, what's my posture? Do I run, do I hide, or do I run to the Lord knowing who he is, knowing what he's accomplished for me and praising him, but being repentant, asking God to help continue to change me? And my prayer for us tonight is that we're not a people who are walking around defeated that we're not walk, walking around with our heads down defeated because we can't measure up. I, I also don't want to be people who are deceived, who are, who are blindly walking around thinking that we're nailing it when we're not. I, my, my hope is that we are people who don't forget the gospel, but we understand the gospel, and that moves us, right? That it moves us to worship. It, it, it changes who, who we are, that we that we don't follow the law, that we don't obey because we're trying to earn anything, but we've been accepted. We've already received the greatest gift. And so now our obedience is a response to what Christ has done for us, right? Tim Keller, this brilliant theologian, says that, that religion is about obeying so that I'll be accepted. But the gospel says that I'm accepted, therefore I obey. So yes, we do obey. There are works that we, that we do, but they're a response of understanding the gospel. So my prayer tonight is that we are people who understand the gospel and that we don't forget, that we don't run, that we don't run back to the law, but that we remember the grace that Christ has shown to us and that we never forget that gospel. Let's pray. Father, I am, I am so unbelievably guilty myself Forgetting, Uh, being so prone to forget who you are and what you've done for me. I'm prone to run back to the law and try to earn my standing before you. Try to earn your favor, trying to earn your pleasure by just doing a bunch of Christian things. Father, will you forgive me of that? Will you break me of that? Will you graciously remind me that that I'm free in you. And that you bring life. That you bring life and life abundantly. That when I stand before you, there's no more guilt. There's no more shame. That what you see is the blood of your Son that has covered all of my sins, past, present, and future. And I'm a son, Father, for my brothers and sisters in the rooms tonight who, who aren't there, who are defeated who are deceived, who are exhausted, who are tired. Lord, will you speak to them? Not will you graciously, tenderly woo them, speak to their hearts, open their eyes to the beauty of what you've done for us? Because it's beautiful. that You've washed us clean, that we are made new, that we are made whole, that there's no reason to hide, that we can come before you with boldness and with confidence because of what you've done for us. Father, may that be the truth that every single person in this room believes tonight as we walk out. You have gone to great lengths to save us, to rid us of guilt and shame. May we never forget that. May we walk and step with that truth. God, we love you. Sorry, in Sunday, we pray.